You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. Well, well, Grand Rising, everybody. Welcome to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, and we have a great show lined up for you today. I am super excited because the artistic director of Dance Theater of Harlem, Miss Virginia. Johnson is in the building on the couch in the Black Media Matters studios with me today. And I get to do a real deep dive about her work, what brought her to dance. And then we're going to be talking about this amazing tribute that is coming up at the Paramount Theater for Hazel Scott. So I can't wait to dive in with her. But uh, before I even get into my normal spiel, I cannot go any further before I celebrate my brother's birthday. What up, Proof? Happy birthday. Oh my goodness, we have been selling birthdays together for over two decades now. I love you so much. I know your show is gonna be nice and right tonight as a birthday celebration to you, my friend. You have earned all of the love that pours into you, your show, everything you do in community. Shout out to you. Put it up one more time, DQ. Happy birthday to my brother, Proof in the play. Y'all know Truth with Proof is going down tonight at 8.30 right here on Converge Media. Shout out to you, Proof. We love you. Happy birthday, brother. I don't want to yell in the mic, but you know what I'm saying? Happy birthday. (laughs) Anyways, of course, you guys, this is the top of the show. So it's a great time for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead. Tag and share the stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. Also, if you cannot watch us, don't worry. We got you covered. You can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network and The Day with Trey. Y'all will find me there. Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all of the platforms. I don't even know. You know, maybe you guys should tell me more platforms because those are the ones I know. But I know that we're on over 200 podcast platforms. So... Whichever one is your favorite, drop it in the comments. Let us know so we can start shouting them out as well. But you guys just search Converge Media Network in the day with Trey. Y'all will find me there. Huge shout out to everybody who's pouring love into this show right here, the day with Trey. We appreciate all of you. And I, I got to say, huge shout out to the Converge team. I always love to give them love because there's so much work that is done behind the scenes before I even get here. So things are set up properly for the show. It's really ran, y'all. This studio is on you know, it's got its own machine behind it. And that means there's people behind it making things happen. So shout out to all of y'all. Well, I'm really excited, you guys. As I said, I get to do a deep dive today with Miss Virginia Johnson. And I, I can't wait. So we're starting right now. Hi, Miss Virginia Johnson. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, Trey. It's really Really a thrill and an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, I was telling the team, I'm like, oh, man, I'm so excited because you've been in dance for a long time. Tell us a bit about your illustrious career. So um, I'm actually a founding member of Dance Theater of Harlem. I uh, came to New York in 1968 uh, to uh, go to New York University because uh, someone had told me that even though I had studied my whole life to be a ballet dancer and had some really fine training, uh, when it was time for me to graduate from high school, the director of the school said to me, you know, Virginia, you're going to have a career. You're, you're very talented, but nobody's ever going to hire you as a ballerina. Mm. And so I uh, 
ballet was the thing that I loved. It was the thing that really represented who I was as an, as an individual. So I thought, well, you know, I'll get to New York. I'll figure out how to be a ballerina some way. And so I went to NYU. And while I was there, someone told me that Arthur Mitchell, uh, who is the co-founder of Dance Theater of Harlem, uh, was teaching ballet classes up in, in Harlem on Saturdays. And I went up there and I found out that he was creating a company. Mm. So I um, I negotiated a leave of absence with my parents because they wanted me to get a college education. Um, and I went to work with Arthur Mitchell. Now, Arthur Mitchell is really an important individual, and I don't know how many people know who he is. Mm -hmm. He was actually the first African-American to be a permanent member of an American ballet company, um, the New York City Ballet. And he had a huge career. He, he was a star of the ballet company. He had, he made a few films. He was on Broadway. And, and, you know, he was a person who looked at this art form of classical ballet and said, why does it, why are we excluded? Yeah. Because in the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, 19, <laughs> still today, yeah. people think that blacks don't belong in ballet. But he thought, well, let me create a place where we can, create the opportunity for people to develop and become the great artists that they can be and see if we can change people's minds. Mm. And, you know, Trey, that first company, you know, when I got there in the fall of 1968 and right up through our incorporation in 1969, I was surrounded by people who had all been told, no, you don't belong. But Arthur Mitchell gave us a chance. He gave us the place to develop into the artists that we became. And it was an amazing, an amazing opportunity. And it's hard, but lots of fun as well. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, you know, we were just talking um, earlier in the show about all of this brilliance, you know, that we're surrounded with in the studio every day that really represents the best and brightest of people who push through so many layers mm. of the nose. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you talk about connecting with people, you guys all had shared lived experience Absolutely. in that regard. How did that uh, allow you guys to formulate deep relationships in those early years of the company? So we felt like we were pioneers. We were crusaders. No, mm. crusaders. Because this is the 1960s. And so white people said, you don't belong in ballet. And black people said, why are you doing the white man's art form? Yeah. You know, and what the point of it is, is that ballet belongs to everyone. It is a magnificent art form that expresses the highest level of human achievement. And it's not re re reflective of just one culture or another. It has been in the past. Why do we want to perpetuate that? Don't we, as a, a as young artists, have the right to bring our stamp to the art form? And so we were very close-knit company. Um, we would go to a city and the audience would be sitting there and they'd be like, hmm. First of all, they think that we were the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, wow. Because we were a bunch of tall, skinny black people. <laughs> and they would not think that we would be able to do anything. And they'd be like, oh, well, they bought tickets, but they were very skeptical. But by the end of the show, they were on their feet cheering. Yeah. So it was a very, it was an amazing time. I think the thing that um, Arthur Mitchell knew we had a lot to prove and he was a tough taskmaster. And he pushed us very hard because we talk about excellence we could only present excellence on the stage. Mm -hmm. And every time we got to a certain level, he had to push it up a little further. So it was hard, but it was, we were getting to do the thing that we believed in, that we loved. And as I said, we were crusaders. We were changing people's minds. Yeah. That's a huge, huge, um, you know, uh, position 
to carry uh, for anyone. And the fact that you guys were saying uh, on either side, you know, uh, people who are, are, are our people are wondering why we're doing this. People who are, are normal patrons of this art form are wondering why we're doing this. And you push through those barriers. That takes a lot of guts, right, to do that. But also I think back to those times and how people were experiencing the re response of what you guys were putting out there every time you got an opportunity to perform. Tell us a bit about that, because obviously from one performance to another, you guys were now building a following too. Absolutely. And so um, Dance Theater of Harlem has always been a touring company, uh, which meant that we were performing in all kinds of communities, small communities, large communities across the country. And every place was different. Every place had their expectation and every place had their response to having an experience that they had not expected. Uh, you know, one of the things that was really quite beautiful to me was maybe 10 years after the company was founded and people had a sense of what to expect from Dance Theatre of Harlem, would come to the theater looking for something that they couldn't find anywhere else. That was a different vibration. Mm -hmm. But it was also a time when we started to see young dancers coming into the studio like they belonged there. Young dancers of color who didn't have to go, well, I'm the only one. Oh, should I be here? Oh, why am I here? But they came in to join the family. And that was beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm I'm getting transported back to the time of, you know, this growing and it being something that was different for everyone. But everyone. yet, yeah, you, you all were like, we are here to do this and to show y'all that we can. I mean, as you think about this kind of growing, you know, fandom that begins to kind of follow, because I know articles have been written and then, you know, there's reviews of the shows and then it starts to build up. But in terms of, Black community now maybe seeing themselves in this art form. Tell us a bit about that experience and, and or how you experience the growth of that. So um, here's a small uh, technical tidbit. You know, we had um, in ballet, you wear point shoes, the satin slippers that you stand on the tips of your toes and uh, and tights as part of your basic attire. Uh, and when Dance Theater Hall was first formed, we wore pink shoes and pink tights because that's what ballet was that was available to us but you know i think we, we were probably about two or three years old uh old as a, an organization and arthur mitchell said you know something's wrong with this picture why why are we pink on the bottom and brown on top so we started wearing we started dyeing our own tights and dyeing our own shoes each one of us to match our individual skin tone because you know we come in all kinds of skin tones and so when the curtain went up on dance theater of harlem you saw this this uh, rainbow this this variance of hues and they were all warm and brown and beautiful and you saw something in that that you, you just hadn't imagined and so i can remember the times when the curtain would go up and the audience would go <gasps> and it wasn't a, a dread it was a joy to see this it was a joy wow uh, so so throughout this time are you seeing the audiences change right and 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 you know uh maybe it starts with predominantly white audiences and maybe that carries forward but as you guys are touring and you know I'm seeing it now, right? I'm experiencing it now because I started going to the ballet uh, last year and I'm like, oh man, you know, and immediately I remember uh, running into a, a big patron of ballet 
a black woman who was so excited to see me there. And so we had a great conversation during one of the intermissions Mm -hmm. and she shared with me how she's all ever since a little girl, she's come. Right. Mm -hmm. But she was like, it's so great to see more representation of us on the stage and more of a reflection of us in the audience. So I can only imagine that you've dedicated so much of your life to this art form and to this cultural expression, you know, the the growth of it um, hitting different people and them starting to understand themselves in it is something that I've experienced. Uh So I really appreciate you painting that picture. And Oh my goodness, to open the the curtain and see all of these hues. Mm. That is a beautiful, beautiful sight for sure. Um, when you think about all of the experiences that you gained as a dancer, tell us about how you brought all of that into the role as artistic director. Oh gosh. All right. So there's a bit of a story there because um, I, I did have a very long career as a dancer. I, I danced for almost 30 years. Uh, and then I, I retired from, from performing and I decided that I was, you know, I'd had enough of ballet. I was going to go back and be a real person and be in the real world. Uh, and so I, I did some other things around um, for about 10 years. And then one day the phone rings and it's Arthur Mitchell. And he's saying, um, well, I'm thinking about stepping down and I want you to take over. Wow. And uh, I have to tell you that being an artistic director is a very <sighs> difficult and in many ways thankless job. Yeah. Um, it's very uh, high pressure, a lot of uh, a lot of headaches, a lot of mm-hmm. craziness. And I swore as a dancer that I would never have anything to do with that job if, in my later life. But here was Arthur Mitchell, the man who'd given me the life I dreamed of, uh, saying that it was time for me to pay back. And so I, uh, I had to say yes. And uh, he said to me, uh, this is a, another detail, that my job was to bring the, the company back. Because in 2004, the um, company had been put on hiatus for financial reasons. And the Dance Theater of Harlem Company had not toured since 2004. Mm-hmm. There was no company. The school continued. Our um, community engagement program continued. But there was no company. And so he said, your job is to bring the company back. But, you know, Trey, the thing that I had learned in those 10 years of being away was that the world needed Dance Theater of Harlem that there was a gap in artistic expression for this country, for everyone in this country without Dance Theatre of Harlem. And so I knew that I had to say yes, and I had to make sure that we were once once again on the road touring, carrying this message of empowerment. You know, the arts tell you about yourself as a human being, and the experience of seeing something like Dance Theatre of Harlem tells you something that you can't find out anywhere else. So, yeah, it's been um, it's been a really interesting journey, but I want you to know it's not a thankless job. I did come into this dreading it, and I'm so astonished by the amount of joy that's involved in doing this job. Wow. I, I mean, it, you know, I echo Arthur Miller. I mean, literally, you seem like the perfect fit for the job because really this takes a lot of passion and dedication, right? Um, I, I understand that as a theater kid myself, and I'm always saying it, you know, when you think about performing art, so much of it 
it starts from something on the inside, oh, yes. right? That, get, yeah, that is that internal driver for you to say, this is how I'm making my mark. And I, I always talk about this because I started when I was really young, like nine, you know, doing on camera work and all that learning. Right. Um, And you couldn't have told me that one day I would have my own daily talk show. Right. Right. And so the the idea of like, there was always that thing in me Mm. that pushed me every to every no in every audition was like, that's all right. That, you know, keep on going, keep on going. And you get to a place where it's like, it all makes sense. Yeah. And so yeah. I can only imagine that, you know, all, through all, all of your years, I mean, 30 years as a dancer, that's huge, right? Because we talk about, you know, dancers and, and sometimes it's a short, you know, time frame, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a lot of on the, on the body. So that's amazing that you're able to bring all of those years of experience now into this, this realm. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the upcoming performance uh, at the Paramount coming up this weekend, uh, right after this short break. So I'm just so glad that you gave us a solid foundation. Thank you for sending us off in the right tone. Oh my goodness, you guys, we're going to continue after this short break and we're going to hear more about how they revved up for this amazing tribute to Hazel Scott right after this short break. I promise you don't want to miss this. Stay tuned, y'all. You're watching The Day with Trey. COVID-19 hurt my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME and a housing counselor stepped in, talked to our lender, and saved our home. Federal funding details at WashingtonHalf.org. That's WashingtonHAF.org. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. Now, I'm going to start off with this because, of course, y'all know that the wall behind me represents some of the greatest in Black brilliance in our community right here uh, in the Central District. But I can't believe it. I can believe it. Y'all know Seattle brought all of the greats out and Hazel Scott was one of them. Now, y'all can't see it, but she's right behind me, right up here with the piano on my right, uh, shout out to Black Heritage Society and SJT, Stephanie Johnson Tolliver, for confirming that for us. Because we're like, oh, wait, Hazel Scott is on the wall. And I was able to share that this morning with Virginia Johnson. Welcome back again, Virginia. Thank you. Great to be here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were talking about, you know, uh, greats. You know, there's so many. I mean, I want to hear how you guys said, you know what, we're going to do something special that really uplifts Hazel Scott and her legacy and her work. Tell us a bit about the beginnings of that before y'all, you know, what y'all made y'all decide to do Hazel Scott. So I'm, I'm actually embarrassed that I did not know who Hazel Scott was. Um, in 2020, it was the centennial of her, of her birth and um, the Washington Performing Arts had decided that, oh, this is a really cute story. Hazel Scott was married to Adam Clayton Powell Jr., and Adam Clayton Powell III is a board member of Washington Performing Arts. And he said, I'd like you for the organization to do, to, to do something to celebrate my mother, wow. Hazel Scott. And so Washington Performing Arts called me up and said, would you be interested in doing a, a ballet about Hazel Scott? And I had to say, I don't know who that is. Wow. And then I did the research. I started reading about it. There's a magnificent biography by uh, Karen Chilton that tells you a lot about Hazel Scott. And she was a force of nature. 
a child prodigy. She went to Juilliard at age eight. She was able to do so many things as a creative artist. She, of course, was a great pianist, jazz and classical, but she was also an activist. She was a woman who knew who she was and knew how to make a difference in the world. And she she was such an inspiring individual. But, you know, she was unfortunately part of that 1950s House and American Activities Committee, and her career was ruined by the, her testimony there. And she was, she had to move to France and continue her career, but she was literally erased. People don't talk about Hazel Scott. You know, um, there's a, a really wonderful, one of the artists who was part of the project that we work on. She says, you know, if people 50 years from now didn't know who Beyonce was, they would be stunned. Yeah. But this is the same thing with Hazel Scott. She was that big a star. Wow. She made films. She was uh, on the stage. She was uh, a, an amazing um, composer. Her, her records are being re-released now. Mm -hmm. So Hazel Scott is coming back, and I'm really so proud the Dance Theater of Harlem is part of that wave. Yeah, you know, this is, when we talk about the erasure of, of brilliance, we've seen it so many times. Exactly. So this, for me, because uh, I, I got to give Dr. Mims a huge shout out. She had been showing me YouTube videos of Hazel Scott playing, like, two pianos, right? And I'm like, well, I mean, and she's like, oh, she, she was the, nobody you know, tops her. Nobody. I mean, like, yeah, like I, when you're talking about, you know, creative genius. And so she was sharing with me all these stories. I had no idea that, you know, y'all were working on a piece and that I'd be able to interview you about this. But it's so um, it's one of those like kind of 360 things for me mm. where you realize you know, it's, it really is on us to carry legacy and story forward. It's something that I do here on my show, uh, in a way that says we, we're creating videos so that we have, you know, record Absolutely. of all the great things that are going on here and beyond. And, and, and to know that y'all have picked this up. I mean, just the documentary, uh, I think we can share the link in the comments. There's an amazing, uh, YouTube documentary about Dance Theater of Harlem creating this piece, this amazing show, uh, regarding Hazel Scott. Tell us about some of those uh, like high points throughout this creation process for you. So one of the things that um, Dance Theater of Harlem has always been, that I've been doing at Dance Theater of Harlem is, since I've been artistic director, is finding stories to tell that haven't been told and finding people to tell them who haven't been able to tell them before. And we have a program called Women Who Move Us, which is really about creating opportunities for female choreographers to create works. So when the Hazel Scott Project became a reality, I knew that I had to have a female choreographer mm. because Hazel Scott was a force in herself. She wasn't herself a feminist. She just did what had to be done. Yeah. And so um, I saw the work of a, an amazing young choreographer by the name of Tiffany Ray Fisher. And she has uh, she's running a company now called Emerge 125, but her background mainly is modern dance. But I saw that she could understand um, this vocabulary of ballet and how to work in what we call the shoe. Mm. This is a whole different technique <laughs> to work in the shoe. And so um, I thought that, that Tiffany would be the perfect person to tell Hazel's story. And she absolutely 100% was. She did all the research. She, do she dove into what was behind Hazel Scott and what the energy of Hazel Scott was. And she brought in a really wonderful uh, composer, Erica Blunt Lewis, uh, composer slash DJ, mm. to create a, a through score. 
Some of the music is Hazel Scott, but some of it, uh, the majority is by um, Erica Blunt Lewis. And so this package which is just another part of how Hazel is a force to be reckoned with even now. Wow. I, I mean, bringing such forces together, that is in and of itself a unique, uh, you know, unique ingredient to this stew of what you guys have created. But, but also too, that means that you have to be, you know, as an artistic director, it's your job to make sure that, okay, if, if you're given a, you know, opportunity like this, you got to know how to pick the right people. So I love hearing that process in terms of you having a, a great understanding of how to bring this about, but knowing that now you can really rely on those who you bring on board to make it happen. Um, that really says something, I think, too, about your artistic eye, which I think is amazing. But, you know, when you when you think about some of the things that dancers have experienced through this process, um, I, you know, I was hearing in the documentary some say, you know, wow, you know, they were learning about Hazel Scott mm -hmm. as well. But this embodiment of that kind of background of who Hazel was, tell us a bit how you have seen the dancers really flourish in that and explore that uh, through their artwork, through their craft. So Trey, I think one of the things that often has happened in the past in ballet is that dancers are taught the steps and taught the counts and taught the spacing and taught the, as if it's just bodies moving through space. But what at Dance Theater of Harlem I've been trying to do is to, to have them have the chance to embody the work through their personhood. Mm. That's a really weird way to put it, but, but so I, I want, I expect, expect them to be doing the steps right, of course, but what's behind the step? And that's always been one of the things that we, um, have tried to do to bring this art form to be more about humanity than just to be about, you know, a classical art form that is about form and structure. It really is human beings working in space of all kinds. And you have to, you have to be able to challenge the artist to step up to that as well. Um, we see it as a visual, um, ornament, but actually it's a reality that we're trying to bring forward. Wow. Uh, that says a lot. I think even in terms of, you know, how the audience experiences it, oh, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. tell us a bit about that because you guys have been, you know, hitting some cities already. Now you have this performance coming up at the Paramount on, on the 5th, mm -hmm. but tell us a bit about how the audience has been experiencing this amazing uh, performance that you guys have put together. So, um, you know, I think one of the things I, I like best about being a touring company is that every city is very different and every city takes in a performance in a different way. Um, we certainly um, have been in places where the curtain goes up and just the shock of seeing a stage full of people of colors is enough to get the audience just with you every minute. But in other places, you, are, you have the sense that there's a little bit of, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this. Mm. But as a performer on the stage, you feel that temperature change. You feel that reticence turn into leaning forward in their seats. Um, I think that uh, we, we've been in two cities on this past tour. One, one city, the audience was vocal from the beginning. And that makes the dancers go, ah! And then we were in another city where the audience was like, I'm not so sure until the end. But when they're not so sure and the dancers aren't hearing this stuff, then you start pulling back a little bit as a performer and then you've got to find your way into their hearts and that makes them give a different kind of performance. 
I love watching this, seeing the dancers solve that problem as the minutes go by. Oh, my goodness. Well, I got to tell you, I'm definitely excited uh, to be there on on Saturday. And I'm so glad that you guys have made Seattle one of the cities that you're stopping in. Shout out to STG uh, for, you know, knowing that this was a great show to bring here. I think, you know, um, I've been hearing the buzz in black community. People are like, what? Hazel Scott, Hazel Scott. And I'm like, yeah. Like the the show is called Dance Theater of Harlem. They're like, what? You know, so there's this excitement that I think is brewing uh, in the community in terms of what I've been able to experience. But of course, I want to give you time to look right there. If people want to catch up with Dance Theater of Harlem, if they want to come to the show on Saturday, you can look right there in that camera and let them know how to do just that. Oh, thank you. So you can uh, find tickets at stgpresents.org for the performance on Saturday. We have two shows at 2 o'clock and at 8 o'clock, I believe. Uh, I want to just add in here quickly, there are three works on the program. The first work is The Music is by Stevie Wonder. It's choreographed by our resident choreographer, Robert Garland. And the second work is Passage, another work from our Women Who Move Us program. It's a... Valley that was built on the commemoration of the 1619, the arrival of the first African Americans to America. So it's a quite a full evening. For more information about Dance Theatre of Harlem, you can go to dancetheaterofharlem.org and see all the cities where we're performing this year. Wow. Virginia, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with me on the day with Trey today. Uh, we welcome you into the Black Media Matter studios and you are welcome here anytime you want to talk about dance. I'm all for it. I just appreciate your dedication to the art form, to the culture, to moving it forward. A real pioneer. And I mean that I'm, I'm a real fan. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's all about love. That's right. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. You guys heard it right there from Miss Virginia Johnson. It's all about love and that love will continue as I wrap up right after this short commercial break. You guys stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. Hey guys, Lisa Gordon here and before heading to Belize, Trey Holiday and I had to make sure we linked up with our good friends over at Market Street Shoes to of course grab a few things for the trip. From bags to socks, shoes, sunglasses, earrings, and more. Before going on any trip, make sure you stop at Market Street Shoes. Trust me, you'll find just what you need to make your trip not only enjoyable, but fashionable. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. What a fulfilling episode this was for me today. Y'all know, of course, I want you to be inspired. Listen to the story of Virginia Johnson sharing how she started as a dancer, how she pushed through different barriers, how she was connected to all of these dancers who said, we're going to do this no matter what. You guys know, for me, there's always something so inspiring about the guests I love to bring on to The Day with Trey. So I am walking away with a bucket full of inspiration. And I hope that you are as well. Let me tell you, there's something so special about understanding not just the resilience and the brilliance, but that dedication and that energy that has us pushing things forward. When we are all doing that, I promise you, we make the world a better place. So of course, I want you guys to be inspired to see yourself as a part of the solution as Miss Virginia Johnson has done through the dance world and pushing culture forward. Now, of course, I'm excited because tomorrow is 
is Wednesday. We're going to have another What's the Word Wednesday. Can't wait to dive in with Brian Callanan. I know there's some amazing things kind of moving forward in terms of the budget, but it's also things we need to be mindful of, you guys. We cannot allow this money to get away from us. We got to understand where the money is going, how it's benefiting our communities, and how we're pushing a lot of things that we've already voted for, how we're pushing them forward. So make sure you guys stay tuned tomorrow. And until then, at 11 a.m., peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.